Good morning, good morning. How are you? Doing well? Good, good. Glad you're here this morning. Those watching online, thank you for being with us. Um, such a sweet time of worship this morning. Amen. I love just being in God's presence with, with you. Um, let, me, let me ask you as we start this morning, um, who, who grew up in a family that loved to play practical jokes on you, on each other? Anyone? Anyone? I know a few people already because um, I've seen it. So I definitely, definitely grew up in one of those families. Um, it was just the thing you did when we were all together, like everybody's looking around, waiting to for someone to jump out at them. Or when it gets dark, I mean, things get risky then, right? Something's going to happen. Um, my family, um, one summer decided they were going to prank all the kids in the family. So all the adults were in on it and all my siblings and cousins were being pranked. Okay. Um, they told us we were going to, um, go snipe hunting. Okay. And if you know what that is, you already know where this is going. So if you don't know what that is, um, they told us we were going to go catch all these small flightless birds. Okay. And all we had to do to catch them was, um, start on one side of this field. My aunt and uncle owned about 40 acres. And so we were going to start on this one side of the field and start clapping and making this noise as we're walking along. And I could demonstrate the noise for you later, but it was, you know, so we were going to be apparently flushing all these small flightless birds. And I'm going, I'm, I'm, I was probably like seven or eight. And I'm going, how have I never seen one of these things? You know, it, this isn't making sense, but I went along because I'm trusting. That was my first mistake, maybe Um, of all the adults in our family. And so we do, that's exactly what we do. We start at one in the field and we're just making these, making this noise and clapping. And in our minds, we're going, why don't we see anything? I don't, nothing is happening. And so about after five, 10 minutes of this, okay, we look up and my parents are taking pictures of us and laughing all the adults together as we're doing this. And those of you who, you know, not raised in the country, maybe that doesn't make sense why, why someone would enjoy doing that, but that's, they got a lot of laughter from that. So anyways, um, let's listen, when you're young and naive, um, how many know these, these kind of innocent pranks, maybe they're easy to pull, um, cause you're right. You're trusting of people. And, um, but I think the reality is, and what we've been um, talking about this, these last few weeks is the reality is that all of us at some level have a tendency to believe things that are not true. We've been in a, a series um, called Exposing the Lies We Believe, and it's, it's been good because I, I really believe all of us are, again, at some level prone to these mistruths. Um, some of these ideas that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, maybe they're, maybe some are more overtly detrimental. Like we can look at something and say, okay, this is obviously not good for me. It, it's not good when I can't overcome my past and I'm stuck in those habits and patterns. That's not a good thing. But maybe more, maybe more dangerously would be, maybe more dangerous would be these more subversive, um, kind of half-truths. They, they are the, the one-liners or common quips that sound good on the surface, but ultimately leave us wanting more. And there's a bigger implication here. A.W. Tozer helps us to see uh, he, when he wrote, too much of contemporary Christianity is borrowed from the philosophies of the world and even other religions. Phrases and mottos, he says, that on the surface look great, but are not rooted in Scripture or that mostly just bolster one's self-image. Wow. That leads us um, to my first point here this morning. That is the lies of culture often infect our thinking or worldview. 
these popular colloquialisms that, that can prey upon our society's short attention span. What, what is our attention span now as a society? Has everybody looked at that? Maybe because of social media. I mean, we're talking about seconds, right, until we're on to the next thing. These things sound good on the surface, but leave, um, they end up being just half-truths and ultimately feed us then more lie than truth. We've all heard them or seen them on social media. Some of you have probably seen these. Um, you do you. Sounds good, right? You deserve better. How about this one? Follow your heart. <laughs> or lastly, you are enough. You heard that one? This morning, we're looking at one of the more popular ones our current um, day loves, and that is live your truth. Live your truth. I'm sure you've heard that. Um, there, there's so much wrapped up, though, in this little phrase, right? Um, Christian apologist Elisa Childers has written a great book titled Live Your Truth and Other Lies, of the subtitle Exposing Popular Deceptions That Make Us Anxious, Exhausted, and Self-Obsessed. Um, I want to give credit um, this morning to the book and some of the ideas here. I'd, but I definitely also recommend checking that book out sometime. It's a great read. Live your truth. Um, that, that little motto, live your truth, it, it could kind of be called, I think, the, the relativistic motto of the day, right? Phrased another way, what if we said, whatever you believe, just go for it. That, right? There are obvious problems with this mindset because what happens if what we believe actually conflicts with reality? Even if it's genuine, sincerely held belief, does that make it true just because I genuinely believe it? Of course not. The definition of truth is quite simple. Truth is a thought, statement, or opinion that lines up with reality. That's it. If what we say, think, or believe lines up with reality, it's truth. And if it doesn't, it's not. Crazy that we even have to have this conversation, right? Um, if this catchphrase, live your truth, was about actual truth, shouldn't it just say, live the truth, right? And although it's not my main subject this morning, we could speak um, more uh, on this prevailing philosophy of the day that has begun placing more stock in people's uh, lived experiences. You'll hear that phrase some. Placing more stock in people's lived experiences um, over, over truth, Right? If someone has lived an experience and felt a certain way because of that experience, then their feelings because of that experience are elevated to the place of reality. It becomes feelings and experience over the truth. Of course, the big problem is that many people have lived experiences that directly conflict with reality and God's truth. And, th- and, and this, um, many, many have believed things that are inherently false. There are entire fields of study dedicated to understanding the psychology um, behind people that um, get, find themselves trapped in cults and, and, and other things like it. Um, many of you know that have um, been here for a, a length of time know that um, Living Word last year we had the great opportunity to go to Utah and minister there over our missions trip. And we, we worked specifically with an organization called Dream Center that um, served the FLDS community um, the polygamist sect of Mormonism there in, in Utah. And um, the, one of the wives, the 65th former wife of Warren Jeffs, her name was Brielle, sweet, sweet woman. We got to hear her testimony of, of powerful change. And, you know, many people, when they've been in an abusive uh, belief system like that, they often reject God, right? Because they're told that that is God. And if that is God, who would want that, right? A, a li- life. 
Um, thankfully, praise God, Brielle is serving Christ today. Amen. And we got to hear, I know it's incredible. I, I, we got to hear her, her personal story of change through Christ, um, there. And it just, this, there was a documentary that came out this past week and it's, um, done specifically on Brielle's story. So if you want to check that out, that's on Discovery Plus, I think, called, uh, Prisoner of the Prophet. But, um, Anyways, in this documentary, this cult expert, which I don't know how you become a cult expert. Maybe there's a degree for that. Um, cult expert um, explains how common it is for people caught up in cults for you and I to look at them and think, man, that's a normal person, right? Th- th- these are normal people that get caught in cults. And we, we would look and say, how did they get caught in this, right? How did this happen? The reality of it is, and this cold expert would uh, 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 attest to this, it is normal people that get, like you and I, that get caught in these mistruths. We are all susceptible to falsehoods. Think about it. Entire cultures have been swayed to believe um, like horrible, horrible things like slavery and abortion are acceptable. Booker T. Washington famously said, a lie doesn't become truth, wrong doesn't become right, and evil doesn't become good just because it's accepted by a majority. Yet truth is objective. And when the culture at large accepts evil as good, as in the case of the, um, as is the case in the slaughter of millions of unborn babies in our country, as the truth of God, um, as people of God, we must insulate our hearts and minds with God's truth. Amen? More on that um, a little later. Thankfully, we serve a God who knows our tendencies to stray. And he knew the tendencies of his, of his chosen people, the Israelites. Um, their tendency would be to spiritually veer off course. But he wanted their lives grounded in him. And so he told them to do things like guard their hearts, to teach their families, to honor him, to live out their faiths in the, in the culture around him. That was intentional because without hearts set on him, his people were susceptible to um, the influence of the culture of their day. And that brings me to my second point this morning. Um, live your truth is a lie because our culture's values will be an ever-shifting spectrum of what is good. In Ephesians, Paul presents us with a picture of what happens when the ideas of the culture shift around us and how to avoid the pitfall. If you've got your Bibles there, it'll be on the screens as well. This is Ephesians 4, 14 through 15. Ephesians 4, 14 and 15. And then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speak the truth in love. Um, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. I love how Paul communicates this. He, he, he uses these analogies, right, of the wind and the waves back and forth. We, have a good, we can have a good a visual picture in our mind already of that. Um, what may seem good and, and right today um, will change tomorrow. Right, it, the the phrase that we'll be obligated to share on social media, the the flag that we'll be obligated to fly, the the slogan that we're supposed to stick on our bumper sticker, that will current that will um, always change as the culture's value system changes. 
because if my value system then is influenced by culture, it will also shift with it. That's why our cultures, not just ours, by the way, but our cultures are horrible sources of objective truth. Church, absolute truth must be found in something else. We believe, of course, that the Bible is the only reliable source of eternal truth. If you're new to this faith thing and, and maybe looking into some of these claims of Christianity or, or claims of Christ, I would love to, to talk with you um, at any, any point uh, to share some great resources we have on this subject. Um, I'm, I'm privileged um, the end of next month to take a group of teens and young adults um, traveling to Philadelphia for um, a youth apologetics conference. And it's the first time we've done something like this with our, with our group. I'm super excited uh, uh, that we get to do this. But um, it's just this study of, of, right, of what is truth and can we know truth. Of course, we believe the answer to that is yes. Um, um, look, so do, pray for us as we go. I'm looking forward to that. But why should you or I trust this book as the source of truth? Let me give you a short summary. Scripture has stood the test of thousands of years. It's been endorsed by millions who have been transformed by its truth and given countless others a solid foundation of knowing God and living out their faith. We have good evidence from history, archaeology, biblical scholarship to trust that we have an accurate copy and what it records is true. Furthermore, Jesus told us in Matthew 24, 35, that his words will never pass away. And we know from Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Church, praise God, he doesn't change. His words will remain forever. To put it another way, we believe the Bible is the word of God because that was Jesus's view. We are followers of Christ, and therefore our beliefs must reflect what he taught. And so if we are not grounded to this eternal truth, as the hymn goes, we'll be prone to wander and prone to leave the God we love. I remember hearing that as a kid, that hymn as a kid, and thinking, why would I leave? <laughs> Where am I going? You know. But it, it, it makes sense here our, our, that our hearts are prone to that. It is human nature to drift away from righteousness. And as I said, God knew this about his people, the Israelites, and um, that they would be influenced by the cultures around them. So, so God actually set up these rules and laws, right? We all know for them to follow, all with the larger purpose of helping them ma- to maintain a holy relationship with God. These laws help them see their reliance on him and help them live set apart from the godless societies around them. Um, read through the book of Leviticus sometimes, sometime if you want some real exciting reading. <laughs> read through Leviticus, but, um, you'll, you'll read some of these things that God told his people. And, you know, you'll probably think, why did God even have to say this, right? Why did he have to tell them? Well, um, parents out there and any teachers, you know why we have rules, right? It's because at some point someone did this, right? Uh, do, do you ever tell your kids something and you think, I never thought I'd have to say that? <laughs> I never thought those words would come out of my mouth, right? Um, the same thing with God here. He, he wrote these things because it was being practiced in the world, in the world at that time. Child sacrifice was happening. And so God has to tell his people, this is not my heart for you. Incest was happening and a horrible, horrible, many other things was happening frequently. And God had to let his people know they were to be set apart from the rest of the world. 
The most notorious of all, of course, were the Canaanites. Um, and, and God gives them, uh, the Hebrews, specific instructions even not to intermarry with, with the Canaanites, knowing that their faith and values would be effe- infected with the sin of the godless. Look at me. Um, this is Exodus um, 34, um, starting in verse 11. It's up on your screens here. Um, 34, 11 through 16. Obey what I command you today. I will drive out before you the Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, all the ites. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you are going, or they will be a snare among you. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, and cut down their Asherah poles. Do not worship any other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous god. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land, for when they prostitute themselves to their gods and sacrifice to them, they will invite you and you will eat their sacrifices. And when you choose some of their daughters as wives for your sons and those daughters prostitute themselves to their gods, they will lead your sons to do the same. You know, it's interesting. It, um, the language here is you will eat their sacrifice and, and they will lead your sons to the same. And, and at least the English translation of the Hebrew here seems to imply God um, knew that if they allowed themselves to do these things, it would be a matter of time before they fell for it as well. Right? You, you will eat their sacrifices. The same it was spelled out in Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 3. And do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take your daughters for your sons, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. The big picture seemed clear. The, the, the moral values or lack thereof of these neighboring tribes would have a direct influence on God's chosen people if they allowed themselves to marry and have other intimate social interaction. Their hearts, as ours are, were prone to wander. I think this reality for each of us um, is hopefully an incredible motivator to why the spiritual disciplines are so vital for each of us, Right? If nothing else, the daily exercise of prayer, of worship, reading the Word of God are, 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 so, um, um, are so necessary for this consistent reset of our hearts towards godliness, right? And away from the influence of unrighteousness. Listen to the author. This is Psalm 119, 160. I love this. All your words are true. Your righteous laws are eternal. Amen. Church, the truth of the word of God will last forever. It will not be changed by ever-shifting cultural trends or theologically progressive attempts to redefine truth. The foundational reality of the Bible has outlasted every movement prior to today, and it will outlast the current one. If truth is left up, though, to each of us to determine, we will inevitably take on the values of the society around us. And to a degree, this makes sense. Um, uh, let's think about it in the, as, as with the path of um, water. What, wa- what path does water take? It takes the path of least resistance, right? I think humans are the same way. Take a look at this picture. The authorities here in this park, um, by, cyclists were speeding down this middle path, right? So what do they do? They put a little barrier there so that you got to kind of jet through that middle barrier, right? So what did everybody do? They just rode around on the other side and created their path, right? Um, how, how many think there were some bikers that still used the path in the middle? I doubt it. <laughs> Everybody just took the one around, right? Like this, this uh, park, um, this bike barrier, hum- we will take the path of least resistance. 
And so left to define truth ourselves, we will take the culturally acceptable view of the day, the beliefs of least resistance. In her book titled, You're Not Alone and That's Okay, I'm sorry, You're Not Enough and That's Okay, Ali Beth Stuckey writes um, and shows the faultiness of this thinking when she says, the self can't be the problem and the solution. If our problem is that we're insecure or unfulfilled, we're not going to be able to find the antidote to these things in the same place our insecurities and fear are coming from. We need a better source of truth than the culture around us and a better source of truth than myself. To my last point this morning then, if the lie is live your truth, the obvious opposite of that must be we have to live God's truth. Amen? We need an unchanging foundational truth. Contrary to these short quips thrown around, it's not brave or revolutionary to deny the truth in order to live my truth. It won't help me grow, relax, or find peace. It might make me feel good for a while, but in the end, this mantra will simply bring anxiety, pain, depression, and exhaustion when we realize we've run out of ideas to fix things ourselves. Peace with God is the only true peace there is. We need to live God's truth. You know, I had a really good, really good conversation um, with a, um, someone at the gym this past week. I've been swimming laps again because, um, as Pastor reminds me, I'm getting old now. And um, things are starting to not feel great. <laughs> um, lifting weights. So I've been swimming again. And um, I had a conversation with this woman um, as we were swimming. And, and she... Um, she asked what I do, you know, just conversation as it goes and let her know we were, uh, as a pastor, we were going on a trip this next week to Belize. So that led to talking about what we did last year in Utah and really interesting things. Uh, um, she said then, and I really didn't even notice till later or recognize what she had said till later. Um, but in that quick conversation, she brought up the fact that um, she had experienced some kind of um, trauma or abuse um, in, in a former church. And she didn't give details. I didn't ask for details. But what was um, obvious to me was there was some pain there. And um, praise God, she's still, um, um, seems like, serving the Lord. Um, but that, that pain for her was real. And, you know, she had, um, and her and so many others, including these, these people caught in this cult out in Utah, you know, there's still thousands of people in this cult. It still exists. Even with Warren Jeffs in prison, he's still running the cult from prison. Um, still many people all around the world caught in these falsehoods. They've been sold uh, a lie in the name of religion, right? And, and so it makes sense then when people reject that because if they think that's what, if that's what God is, I don't want it, right? We recognize, though, that there is a real foundational truth, um, church that is liberating, amen? And that's what people need. They've been sold a lie, and, and you and I have the, the opportunity and the privilege to, to share with them a truth that really does transform lives. As I was studying here this morning, I, I just wanted to, to find um, some um, scriptures that spoke specifically of the truth of, of, of faith, of the Word of God. Um, last week, Pastor Barden mentioned um, a couple of verses after John 3.16. Um, we all know John 3.16, or is familiar with some of the others. Um, he mentioned a couple. There's another one down in John 3.21. I love this one. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light 
so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Amen? The truth of God illuminates any darkness that might be in my life and also spotlights then the redemptive work of Christ in my heart. I love this one also from Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Why should we speak truthfully to our neighbor? The next verse gives us an answer. John 8.32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. Real freedom is found in the true gospel of Christ. As this cult and others, as I said, have been trapped in this uh, a, a lie fed to them by evil people, as much as our world dangles these cute sayings in front of us promising freedom, it's only in the truth of God's grace that we will find true liberating freedom. What's interesting also regularly through Scripture, God himself is referred to as truth. In John 14, 6, of course, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Also in John, we hear the Holy Spirit called truth, John 16, 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Of course, this was Jesus talking to his disciples as he explained why he had to go to the Father so the Holy Spirit could come. But back to that picture, like those cyclists, we have all, every single one of us, found sin to be the path of least resistance. It's easiest to follow the flesh, to give in to my desires. We were all at once, at one time, living in this spiritually rebellious state, right? As the worship team comes and helps me close um, this morning, it is only by God's incredible grace that each of us has, has found a way out of that path through God's grace, through the gift of his son, Jesus. Amen. The gospel, the true gospel message is this. While you and I were still trapped in the lie of sin, he sent his son as the truth the world needed. As we live out the true gospel in our world, in our jobs, at the gym, um, in our schools and communities, we have the privilege then to pass that message of hope onto others around us to communicate that truth and love to the hurting, the abused, the anxious, the abandoned, the addicted, and to anyone and everyone who does not yet have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God's truth then, beyond that, promises that the pain and the, and the things that we experience here on earth for those that are in Christ is not the end. Amen? We have a blessed hope of the return of Christ to look forward to. As we close and worship this morning, I'm going to ask um, um, to take a step of faith with me, if you would. As we worship, um, will you ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate any areas in your life where you might uh, be believing a lie, a mistruth? And again, some of these things, it, it can seem so... Um, seems so good, so positive, but, but maybe there are other things in my life that I've been following, pursuing something um, that's a lie from the enemy. Just ask God to, to show your heart this morning uh, what that is and, and to rely on him for his truth. Would you stand with me as we close in worship? God, just be with us. Thank you for your presence here this morning. Um, show us in our own hearts here today um, areas where we may be believing things that are not of you. Show us those things. Um, Convict our hearts, Lord. Just be with us as we worship in your name. Amen. Let's worship together.